0: Oh, somebody's got Facebook pulled up. It wasn't yeah. me this time. <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> it's usually Jason. Yeah. Every time. What is going on, everybody? It's another beautiful Thursday night.
1: It's gotten cold here.
0: Well, I In mean, Florida. relatively speaking, it's cold.
1: <laughs> well, let me see what the temperature is. Well it says 67 i mean was it last week when we were talking it was like 84 or something right
0: that's kind of cold we've had some cold weather too you can see a few of my wife's house plants behind me because we had to bring them in because we had a freeze (laughs) warning um a couple days ago so got a few new plants in the in the studio tonight
2: (laughs) i like plants Oh, yeah. I actually have two plants here in my place that have been alive longer than any plant I was ever able to keep alive in my addiction nice. I just didn't even try in my recovery for a while because I just thought I was a plant killer but they're yeah. hanging out they like my energy <laughs> nice yeah I don't,
1: I don't think I've ever done the whole plant thing even in before active addiction during or post lots of work to water those things
0: come on yeah you got plenty of time
3: (laughs) it takes so long to dump a little water in a few things
2: i talk to them and everything (laughs) like hey beautiful how are you pouring water in
1: i was talking that's why they
2: thrive man that's why they thrive i
1: was talking to somebody yesterday like kind of on the same topic about how like when i like first got into recovery i was trying to find recovery and then like during depression, like I wanted to, do- like I got pets, a lot of pets, because, you know, you want to take care of them. You want the love and whatever. Um, so maybe it's the same kind of thing. Like, yeah. I said, I was
3: told you want to start with plants before you move up to pets and definitely before <laughs> you move up to like having a kid or <laughs> starting a family, you know,
2: make
1: yeah, sure you I've keep Yeah, have graduated people.
2: Hell yeah. <laughs> have you seen that study on plants and music? they no. they did this study back in the day where they had two environments right next to each other that were the exact same and then they planted plants in them and then so it was the same environment same plant everything on this side they had a speaker and on this side they had a speaker and on this side they played classical music and on this side they played rock music like super hard rock music and on this side the plant actually grew towards the speaker oh, and then wow. on this side. It actually withered away from the speaker and died. Wow! Over a, over a time lapse. Holy shit!
1: Yeah. <laughs> it like on par with studies, like children, you know, get involved in musical instruments and playing music and stuff like that.
2: Yeah. Yep. Wow.
3: That's interesting, man. Yeah. There's some kids like with even- the rock. <laughs> I I. Yeah. I, I like rock. Should, I
0: guess I should start listening to classical. But I listen
3: to everything, though. Yeah. Do you yeah. listen
0: to classical, Jason?
3: Yeah, I got plenty of it.
1: Have you seen the kids that, like, they'll tell you, oh, I can't, I have to listen to music when I'm doing my homework or studying. And, like, you know, we used to always say, that's just a load of crap. Like, you just want to listen to music. But it's actually now been proven that, like, there's certain things like some people with ADHD and other things they actually can concentrate better with music going on
2: I have to have music going on while I'm doing stuff I buy it yeah like right before this I was writing a script and I just have my lo-fi in the background I have to put my phone away because if it dings and I'm like oh who is it you know so I have to turn all that off so hell yeah Yeah. so you can
3: focus
2: yeah and one of the best things setting goals to classical music highly suggest Mm.
1: i feel like focus has been a hard thing lately that's been like the more that goes on it's like hard to focus on the things you need to focus on and maybe it's just me but what do
2: you what do you mean like what what specifically
1: like it used to be that i was really good at like doing a million things at once but it seems like lately it's like i think it's maybe the higher level stuff you get involved in, you can't like shift from one to, th- but like, there's times I have, like you said, you couldn't look at your phone. I have to like put my phone away and just ignore it or I'll forget what I'm doing because yep. like just switching from so many topics.
2: It's like yep. hard. Yeah. I have to have time blocks in my day, like focus time blocks that I'm doing certain things and like put the phone away, um, and then make sure that it's in my schedule like I actually screwed up tonight because I didn't put something in my schedule and I double booked after this and Mm. uh, I actually built a cold plunge you guys know what a cold plunge is so there's a lot of science and a lot of benefits behind cold plunging um where it's basically like a like a tub with really really cold water and mine's at like like probably 35 36 degrees and then if you go up to your neck in a cold plunge for three minutes um like three or four times a week there's uh benefits to anti-aging uh mental focus uh recovery for muscles joints bones everything uh your immune system is ridiculously boosted like you'll never get sick and um I just built my built mine here Finished it this weekend I had one back in the states but uh couldn't bring that down here so
1: <laughs> well why don't you tell yeah. us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up there not in the united states since you kind of made an easy adjustment to that or yeah. transition
2: well um september 28th of 2008 i've been out partying and drinking like most nights of my freshman year of college and i woke up to my phone ringing and vibrating down by my leg and I swam through the soft sheets to find my hard phone with the bright screen that read 4 47 a.m. And my best friend Chucker was calling me. And I remember having the conscious choice that I could either answer the phone like I always do with, Hey, what's up, Chuck? Or I could answer the way I was feeling with, uh, hello. And am I still drunk in my still drunken state, I chose the latter, to which a soft voice replied, Hey, what's up? Why are you calling me this late? I was just calling to say hi don't call me this late again and I hung up on him and he shot himself
3: oh God.
2: and for nearly a decade after that I was unable to share that phone call with anyone as I bottled it down deeper and deeper and deeper with drugs and alcohol mm-hmm. before that event drugs and alcohol were just a way to party and have fun you know I was I was an athlete in high school I went to Columbine High School was captain of the state championship football team captain of the wrestling team but after this event Was when I actually consciously began using drugs and alcohol to cope with life, to cope with the way that I felt, to mask my emotions. Mm. And it just got deeper and deeper and deeper. Shortly after that, I found Oxycontin and was able to procure a prescription from doctors for 250 milligrams a day at 19, (sighs) 20 years old. And then when that ran out, uh, I found heroin. Mm. And we can skip over all that stuff because we all know where that kind of takes us but I don't know if you guys have seen but on November 6th of 2015 I was found unresponsive behind the wheel of a car uh from an overdose and I have the the body cam footage of it they found me they couldn't get breath or pulse and they pull me out and they're doing sternum rubs and everything and uh this was before they had Narcan so I was really really lucky that you know God decided to put a breath in me and I sat up and just, (gasps) Uh, but the weird thing is that I've learned is like, like there isn't a specific event for someone like me that is able to cause me to want to get sober bad enough. There's no one thing that happens because I suffered for two more years after that. Two more years exactly actually because November 6th of 2017 is my clean and sober date and the way that it happened I was I was homeless I was 86 from a homeless shelter so I was super homeless Mm. and I was at the point where they like uh that homeless shelter they did lunch and breakfast every day and not just for the people that lived there but like for anybody out on the streets that wanted to come in and like a week after I had been kicked out I went to get lunch because I was hungry you know and the guy managing came up to me in line and kicked me out told me I couldn't be there so so I had a really low bottom 148 pounds I'm 210 right now um, and nearly dead and I was sitting in a car before a Bible study one night because this whole time like three four five months while I'm homeless I'm going to two 12-step meetings a day I'm going to Bible study every Tuesday church every Friday every Saturday I even went to an MMA gym for a little while thinking they might be able to beat recovery into me but nothing was working And then before this bible study uh, i was sitting in the car and i had like realized that you know i've tried everything i've literally to this point i've tried everything to get clean and sober and i can't so i sat back in the chair and i told god i'm done i'm not going to this bible study i'm not going to church i'm not going to these meetings please just let me die Mm -hmm. and i know that you know people that relate to that you know almost every alcoholic almost every addict has been at a point at this crossroads where you know they don't want to live anymore they don't want this life anymore and that was kind of the key to me finding the willingness to do whatever it took and during the 7 years that I was in the fellowships in the in the rooms going to going to meetings all the time you know I was taking all of this all of this wisdom and everything and thinking you know I'm going to get recovery from osmosis you know like listening to everybody and i don't know why i was missing whatever message i was missing but that day i started the 12 steps i went to the bible study i i dropped down on my knees and just gave my life over to god that was my third step you know and then kept going to the meetings but then i actually read the big book and i have my big book right here and the funny thing is is it's like it's kind of falling apart you know Um, (laughs) but the funny thing is you see. Can you see how it's kind of trying to? Can you see how it's kind of warped? Yeah, mm-hmm. a little bit. So one time, uh, I tried crack once for like two months. And <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! And I did not. I did not want to be there anymore. <laughs> so I so I picked up this big book, and I smoked crack and was drinking a Tall Boy and read the and read the big book. And at one point, I spilled my Tall Boy on my big book, and I still have that big book today. but uh since since the day I started the steps I have not drank or used I had a I also had a profound experience around five days clean and sober when I met Jesus face to face um but I kind of keep that I keep that story um you know at a place where people know they don't have to have that kind of experience to find recovery You don't have to have some profound experience to find it because I still was withdrawing, still was craving everything after I had this experience with Jesus. And the only thing that actually, you know, kept me away from the obsession and the cravings and feeling those withdrawals was while I was actually sitting down and doing the step work. So I did my steps super fast. On day 25, I did my first ever fifth step. On day 26, my sponsor came and picked me up like he was every single morning from the sober living house I was in and he picked me up and we headed to the movie theater that he managed to do the work in the basement in his 1983 mailman Jeep and we're on our way there I'm looking over at this beautiful sunrise and for the first time since I was 12 years old I had no desire to drink or use since I was 12 years old when I was first given cocaine every single day I was thinking about drugs alcohol getting high partying doing something to change the way that i feel and after that event when i was 19 because i was doing it so early to party and change the way i feel to have fun then it became my solution to everything Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden i found this new solution by doing the steps and i was off i just i just wanted to go i wanted to do everything that that was possible that god had given everyone you me everyone on this live everybody that watches the replay god gave us each a a unique and special gift of life and i wanted to start seeing what's possible when we recover so on day 30 uh, and i was keeping journals every single day every day and what i would do was write three amazing things that could happen today three things i'm grateful for and then a letter to god and on my day 30 it was the first time i'd ever had 30 days clean and sober since i was 12 and i still have the journal from that day and I'm like God I can't believe I got here I have 30 days you're amazing I made it God I can't believe this God it would be amazing if I didn't smoke cigarettes anymore and I want to show people that it's possible to stop drinking stop using and, and smoking and never have to go back to it and I haven't had a drag of a cigarette since day 30. eight days after that I hopped on a treadmill just because I wanted to see what what was what I was capable of and what God would let me do and I ran a mile in seven minutes and 18 seconds and then over the pandemic because I had this goal I wrote down a goal on my whiteboard in six months I want to beat the the six minute mile and I wrote that in like October of 2019 something like that and then uh during the pandemic I went out and ran a five minute and 57 second mile (laughs) and I hate running bro and sis I hate running (laughs) but but i know that it's that is good for me to do things that i hate doing because they're good for me you know mm. and i've learned that in my recovery and learned that that's something that i that i want to stand by and uh mm. november sixth of 2019 i've done kind of something special for my for my sobriety date every year to try to give back the first year i, I released a poem um, that meant a lot to me the second year i on november 6 2019 i published my book from chains to saved one man's journey through the spiritual realm of addiction um and it's been it's been a really really uh yeah it became a became a number one bestseller in in a few categories and um at this point you know it's it's sold a few thousand copies but the cool thing is I've actually been able to give away um I don't even know how many copies now I give away I was giving away paperbacks sending them to followers like people in early recovery signing them and stuff I still get pictures from people sent to me that have a signed book for me and the date and everything and now I give away a digital and audio copy and what I found is that the the power of a recovery story um is is life-saving for people I've never thought once uh that my story is like uniquely special in like if I was to compare it right um I don't think that I have something you know that works for everybody either because some people they can't if they hear Jesus in a story they're like yeah not for me and once I started realizing that how powerful a recovery story is once these emails start coming in and these messages from people from from this book I'm like holy cow like recovery stories need to get out yeah so I started recovered on purpose um and I started coaching and training addicts in recovery to get their stories out and in 2020 uh we launched three books and I helped somebody else launch a book also but it wasn't under recovered on purpose and the first one Brittany uh Priestley she her book is called mommy drunkest and uh after so during her alcoholism she you know caught some charges a few times and she had to basically be prosecuted by the same DA every single time and when she got recovered and then she published her book that same d.a bought a box of her books and gives her book to women that he's prosecuting that are in the same situation that she was in that's that's the power wow that's the power of a recovery story
3: that is so cool dude
2: yeah Uh. and we just we just launched another one on October 2nd uh Crystal lavender and hers is called uh, say you love and you know she actually came and saw me speak for her first time ever at a 12-step meeting she had been following me and i went down to where she was at like close to her spoke at this 12-step meeting she decided that night to get clean she hasn't used since mm-hmm. and then she published her book october 2nd and a few days later she sends me a screenshot of a message that she got of someone that read her book was extremely touched related to it completely and she had just messaged her after uh getting into a treatment center that she's starting on Monday and it was on like a Friday or Saturday and that's what I believe I believe that us addicts in recovery we have to we have to be willing to humble ourselves enough to let others know that they're not alone because they are not they're not alone bro the amount of stories like that that are out there I, mm-hmm. I didn't go through certain things in my childhood that a lot of people went through um and there's 33 percent of addicts in recovery that didn't have those kinds of traumas and then there's certain things that like people think that they're alone in things mm-hmm. that they went through and you sharing your story is what makes them feel like oh I can actually get clean too mm-hmm. so as a community we got to just keep rising up keep sharing our stories keep getting out there and and helping people because you know Mm. there's doctors and everybody's helping I love the churches love the doctors love the therapists love the treatment centers but ain't nobody gonna solve this thing better than us bro right ain't nobody gonna solve this better than us amen
1: And we need all the stories because somebody's gonna relate to you that doesn't relate to me somebody will relate to me that doesn't relate to somebody will relate to Jason that doesn't relate to me or there'll be something in each of our stories that somebody with a completely different story will relate to Mm -hmm. so it's a matter of you know that's one of the things I've learned from telling my stories I didn't think it was important because I didn't think it was super dramatic or you know overcome the stuff I'd seen other people and it's sometimes the things that you don't think are such a big deal are what actually people relate to and they learn from so everyone
2: needs
3: to tell their story i completely agree exactly yes dude my head is swimming bro i'm like (laughs) that you know i seem speechless but really it's because i don't know what to say first it's like uh just hearing you you know i'm sure that's most definitely the reader's digest version of of your story but so many things are related to in your story i mean i uh, there was a couple moments where I'm like, bro, you're telling my story, you know what I mean, and uh, that's cool because that don't happen every day. I mean, we all we all have the same kind of like parallels in our stories, you know, same devils, different levels. But like you just you really walked uh, like the same path in in a lot of respects as I did, and uh, man, I'm proud of you for getting it together and and grateful that you too like myself have found the power of sharing your story you know I think when I first did when I first shared my story I felt super nervous but I felt like compelled to do it so even though I was like part of me was saying hell no dude I still just did it and then you know all of a sudden it was like doors of opportunity opening to, to keep doing more of that. And, you know, the feeling you get is incredible, but not until you do the work, obviously, because I, I tried it before I did the work and it was just like I ripped open every wound and I was just bleeding out all over the place or something. But yeah, man. So what is uh, Recovered On Purpose?
2: Is that, so is it like a publishing thing or what? So it's actually a nonprofit and our mission is to equip and empower addicts in recovery to share their stories to help addicts recover mm-hmm. uh to help addicts suffering find recovery and to share our experiences in the school system to deter the future generations from going down the path of addiction yeah. and I do this through through coaching I have a digital course called recovery speaker that's out right now and uh gotcha. what I you know when I wrote my book uh the story behind it is September 28th of 2019 you know September 28th of you know. Uh, my freshman year 2008. It's weird how dates work like that for us. But I was at a conference uh, for how to bring God into business. I was doing really well in this other business for healthcare marketing. And I, I felt empty and alone, you know, because I was making all this money, but I felt like my purpose was missing. I was like, if this is what recovery is about, like, I don't even know if I want this. And I went out to this conference. And while I'm sitting there, you know I'm in the front row uh the first night Jesus culture is playing on the stage and I'm like worshiping you know I know nobody out there just went out there on a whim and I heard God's voice whisper you know into my heart and he said your new company is called recovered on purpose and I like looked up I was like that's good (laughs) like pulled out my phone and I and I uh got on the Secretary of State and got the domain name and everything and I was like dang that's mine okay cool next day I'm in the crowd and uh someone came up and started talking about writing a book and he's like giving some maps out of it and stuff and like um talking about his story and i heard that voice again if you publish your book for your two years clean and sober you're going to inspire so many others to do the same i was like my two years clean and sober i was like carry the two that's five weeks from now so <laughs> i went home and like we were gotta talking. start about, writing <laughs> yeah i better start and uh i went home and i told my told my business partners hey i need i need some time uh for you guys to do this i'm gonna i'm gonna be working on something and put my phone away and i just sat down and wrote but before i was able to sit down and wrote right i had to you know figure out what i was going to write because all of us here we have you know tons of experiences tons of stories that we could share in a book so if i just sit down and write i'm not i'm not gonna go anywhere you know i'm gonna i'm never gonna have an end so what i did was i i wrote out everything I did a mind dump so I dumped out everything out of my mind and then I thought about what message I actually want to portray within my story and the message I wanted to portray to people was the reality of the spiritual realm and I wanted to share my testimony of Jesus so then I picked from the stories of my life that would actually point to that message and then I mapped them out before before I actually started writing my book and then so I have this checklist of stories that I'm going to put into my book to get this specific message and then I just sat down and I wrote the stories boom and the weird thing was that God was doing at the time that I didn't realize is that he was giving me a blueprint for any addict in recovery to put their story in this blueprint and be able to tell a message exactly how they want to tell it from the exact experiences and stories in their life that will tell that message so I've been I've been working on that and that's what my coaching program is that's what I you know I share with addicts because we've all been to speaker meetings where you know they they talk a lot about war stories and it goes for a while about war stories and we I mean I love and just to be clear I love every single person and I've never had I've had one problem with one person in a in a fellowship and made my amends to him he still doesn't like me for whatever reason but You know we're good but um then there's also these speakers that just do it right bro like when you hear them it's just like oh my gosh like i need to do what he's doing i need to do what he's doing and i'm just thinking like so many addicts have stories that are incredible they're incredible they just haven't had the opportunity to do you know i've done a lot of programs i've done coaching programs for speaking for writing books for business for for you know networking things like that and I was like how can I take all of this opportunity that I got and bring it into our community because nobody's doing it for our community and our community has just as much a right to have opportunity to grow and progress in their life outside of recovery also because we have 12-step fellowships we have forums and things we have magazines we have all these places that we can connect as as it regards to addiction recovery specifically Mm-hmm. But what about our life over here? What about the life, our dreams? What about our goals? What about our passions? You know, and that's the that's the number one relapse prevention: relationship with God, and helping others. Purpose, purpose, living with passion, living with that with that fire in you to help other people. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm just looking for more and more ways to make it so that so that addicts in recovery can continue to level up in their life in whatever area they want, mm-hmm. and uh, you know live a great life there's tons of us bro so much right. talent so much talent yeah
3: well i often say people in recovery are the most like amazing individuals you know like special
2: you know 100 percent.
3: and it's true i see it all around me all the time dude so i love this i love i love what you're doing that's amazing dude just Build them up and power them. You got me. You gave me God bumps like three times. Amen. We Amen. just started.
2: <laughs> this is good. Thank yep. you. <laughs> well, well, God that says is... that. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Exactly.
2: God, God says that wherever two or more are gathered, he's in their midst. If we're gathered in His name. He's in in our midst. So, the cool thing is, is uh, where are you all at? I know Ashley, you're in Florida. Jason, where are you at? Minnesota. Minnesota. Brett. Where you at Texas Texas I'm in Medellin Colombia right now and yeah. we are we are in a meeting online right now mm-hmm. there's people from who knows where watching right. and during this time like God is with each and every one of us at the same moment and that's the beautiful thing about the the state of the internet and the state of technology and the things that we're able to do now like right. bro they were they were sending this in the mail at the <laughs> beginning yeah. And letters in the mail for people to find recovery. Right. And now we have all of these tools, you know, right. people getting sober by watching TikTok videos of influencers about recovery. Come on, bro.
3: Dude, that when I went Minak, this last Minac that we had, that's the Narcotics Anonymous Convention, they had one of the uh, topics in one of the breakout rooms was uh, getting clean on the screen and I thought it was a football reference at first until <laughs> I started listening to the speaker. And then I'm like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. But yeah. I was like forgetting that, you know, like some motherfuckers that are brand new to this, uh, you know, during COVID and that's all there was, was like yeah. zoom meetings. Right. And people were still getting clean on the screen. So that's, that's another Testament to the power of the story. And I think it's so great to, to find that purpose in your life, dude, like you're talking about. Um, it's just amazing. Like when you feel purpose in your life then you just feel so full of gratitude and it's hard to like, let life beat you down anymore. You know, you, you got too much to be thankful for
0: <laughs> and you got
3: too much work to do. You know, there's so many people out there struggling. And that if I can reach one, you know, if I can just teach one, yeah so i love what you're doing man this is super exciting to listen to actually and then you know what's funny you mentioned uh the thing about the dates and i was thinking about how my birthday yeah is now my clean date and it wasn't even the whole plan was to get fucked up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, then, and then i couldn't even just hang out and party on my birthday because yeah. of the night before even though it was a little bit it was still enough where i was like i don't want to doing this man all that recovery stuff done got in my head and uh and then what else were you talking about you said oh yeah you mentioned Jesus culture and I was thinking that's weird because when you talked about you didn't really talk about it but you said you had like a really powerful profound experience with Jesus and I had a similar thing happen to me and it was weird because the the whole sermon was about fatherhood and it like that cut to the deepest levels of shame that I carried with my kids, my two oldest kids that I still haven't seen. Uh, you know, they're 24 and 22 now. They were one and three when I, when I left. Right. And uh, that's something that, uh, you know, I almost killed myself over numerous times, you know, and uh, just the shame kept me in that, that cycle. And this dude's talking all about fatherhood, man. And then, it beat me. It just took me, and then it, and then he did an altar call, which I ended up start. I became a member of that church. I led the, I started a recovery ministry there. I led the baptism team there. I did all these things for years after that at this church, and I never once ever again seen somebody do an altar call. This is the only time, and I went up there something told me to stop and i was like no screw that and i just Mm. went because i just thought about how they say in recovery like everything you want is on the other side of fear you got to step into discomfort you got to get out of your comfort zone so i just went up there man and i bawled and they were playing uh they were playing oh come to the altar Mm. oh wait is that that's jesus culture right Uh, i think they do one yeah. yeah yeah dude so when you said jesus culture i'm like Yeah. I'm just like feeling super simpatico right now with this whole conversation, what you're doing, your journey, this whole thing. It's like, you know, we don't, we don't have that many guests on here where I just, but like it's speaking to me personally. So I'm getting Mm the God bumps like over and over. It's pretty cool. Pretty dope. Love Love. you too, Jason. (laughs) Love you, bro.
2: You're my new bestie. Yeah, And, uh, the the experience that i found with jesus is that you know anyone anyone is able to build a relationship with him even if even if you're a pre-believer that's what that's what i call people that that haven't come to know him yet because you know in my in my recovery um i've sponsored you know all different kinds of people and i've only sponsored uh i think two christians out of the over 15 people that i've sponsored and during that time i've even sponsored atheists you know and what I think is beautiful about us in recovery is that if we can put away our our belief that we are right you know and we can let God show up the the profound experiences that addicts seeking recovery can have when everybody comes from a humble position is is incredible man I remember I was I was sitting at a cafe with one of my sponsees who was an atheist and we're reading through we agnostics and as we're going through that you know during during it he would he would like point at something and interrupt me and be like that's crap you know and like and say what say what he had to say because you know he just does not believe in god and then at this one moment he goes to do that and he has his hand up like this and he goes to point down and then he looks up at me and says bro i feel him and he like looks around he's like i feel him bro and that's the power of of two addicts coming together and seeking you know recovery in God and that's what I think has been taken out a lot of you know the work that we do because I I'm I'm a hundred percent believer that an addict needs a higher power an addict needs God and I don't think we should run away from the the word God because you know there is God there's you know we were it's impossible to ignore when we look around And people like you and me, you know, if you have a similar experience to me with addiction, we don't make it. We don't make it. So for us to edge him out of the conversation is a little bit, you know, we can't we can't do that anymore. Um, But I love, you know, I love my people. I love my people so much, man. And it's been a journey with, you know, doing the work that I do because some, you know, I get a lot of support, a ton of support. and then every once in a while there's got to be someone that drops in some hate you know there has to be and i made a decision a while ago that i'm going to respond to every message i ever get and i'm always going to respond with love and i'm always going to do my best to find out why or understand that person and by doing that i've actually gotten to places with people that intended to harm right they they started off by hating on me because I because I'm selling a course to people in recovery they're like oh you're profiting off of addiction you're profiting off of people's lows I'm like no I'm not that is not what I'm doing at all but instead of like responding like that um I respond with you know thank you for caring about our community enough to to say that with your name on the post you know and then i say hey would you would you mind sending me a dm so we can have a conversation and bro this has happened on a few different occasions where you know i go through this conversation with this person and i understand where they're coming from you know there's there's hundreds of treatment centers with three percent success rates charging us thirty thousand dollars a month for treatment yet that's not in the conversation um and i love i love my brothers and sisters that are in treatment that have the heart to serve um but you know there's there's so much opportunity in life for us and we don't need to be hiding behind the fact that we have a past identity of an addict i don't believe we have to have an identity of being an addict for the rest of our lives if i say the only time i refer to myself as that is i say i'm a recovered addict like yeah five five years ago, I was homeless and addicted to IV, heroin, meth, and I smoked a little crack for a little while, you know? But now in my recovery, I'm I'm a totally different person. And I think that all of us in recovery should take that on. We should take on becoming the person that, that drugs took away from us. Like, drugs are from the enemy, drugs are evil. If you're an addict, drugs took something from you that in recovery, You have the power to not only take back, but take back seven times, seven times, seven times, seven, what drugs took from you. And there's no reason for us not to attach to to that belief because it's true. God didn't save you from addiction just to have the dash on your tombstone be, I got clean. That is not supposed to be the dash on your tombstone. There are people out there for you to serve. There's there's friends for you to make, there's connections for you to make, that business you want to do, do it. That book you want to write, do it. The 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 speech you want to give, the podcast you want to start, the, the page you want to start and start doing lives. Whatever it is that your dream is, go do it because now you don't have that that monkey holding you back telling you you can't. But a lot of us got this this mindset in our addiction that we can't do it and I'm guilty I am guilty, bro, because for so many years in my addiction, I was unable to do anything I set my mind to. And I had all these big dreams and big aspirations. I was a door-to-door salesman and was really good at it. And I would write all these goals down and everything and the the credit score I wanted to have and the motorcycle I wanted to have and all these things. And then it all went into my arm. So how am I supposed to trust myself? Mm -hmm. You know, but in recovery, what I found is that I'm a different person now. So all of that limiting belief, all of that garbage that the enemy put into me through drugs and alcohol, I can delete that and move forward now. And I believe that every addict in recovery not only has the the capability of doing that, but has the responsibility to do that. Yep. You have the responsibility to live the life that you've been given. You know? And can't is the
3: real C word, man.
2: Yes. Yes. Amen. And I think that if if we would live our recovery as if every move that we're making is something that is going to attract an addict suffering to recovery, we would live differently. Like it's not just about going to a meeting and saying, Yeah, I'm I'm clean now. I've been I've been clean for you know four and a half years because uh I did the steps and things, and that's a good message, it's a solid message. Also these are the blessings i've gotten in my recovery you know before before when i was addicted you know i i lost my job i wasn't you know my credit score was a 421 credit score and in my recovery uh i've been able to build my credit to 780. you know that's an attractive thing to somebody that's suffering like come on man and people say that you shouldn't talk about that i mean i've heard this before People say you shouldn't talk about all those things you're getting in your recovery because addicts will think that they'll get that if they stop using drugs. But that's not the point of sharing that you've gotten certain things. The point is to say, like, I've done work. I've done work. And me doing this work has blessed me to be able to grow this and this and this and this in my life. So if you do the 12 steps, you're able to get clean. Or if you do MAT, or if you do this path of recovery, whatever your path of recovery that you took, if you do that, and then you work on yourself also, all of that stuff, those desires in your heart are 100% yours. Desire actually comes from a word of the Father. So if you have a dream in your heart, something that you want in your life, in your recovery, God is telling you that it's already yours. You just have to do the steps to take to get to it. Mm-hmm. And we have the same the same opportunities and the same potential and a lot of us, a lot I've dude, I've met addicts that blow me away. intelligence, musical talent, artistic talent. Uh, Crystal's book, her writing, way better than mine. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people that I can build up to be better than me. you know Because then if there were 10,000 of us, 10,000 of these pages right here going live all the time, talking about recovery, talking about motivation and how to get recovered and all this different stuff. If there were that many of us doing this constantly, the addict out there suffering would never be without the message that would get them sober, ever.
0: The word that comes to mind that as you were sharing just then was possibility. Like once we stop using the possibilities are endless.
2: Yes. Amen. (laughs) Amen. I agree.
1: The first thing, too, is write down, like I said in the comments, write down what your goal is because once you put it on paper, you can Mm -hmm. see it. That's why there's vision boards and there's all kinds of stuff. And I know it sounds like voodoo and mumbo jumbo, but it's really like seeing your dream on paper or seeing a goal on paper makes it real. And then you can look back at it. And it's amazing when you go back and look where you've come, even when you don't feel like you're going anywhere.
2: 100%. Yeah, it's crazy.
3: It's crazy. Like, how how can we sometimes feel like we're spinning our wheels and we're getting nowhere, but all we have to do is take a minute to reflect on the journey behind us, and it's like, wow. Because I remember when, you know, I was – praying for things that i i like crushed those goals so long ago and i've since you know i've achieved things that i never thought was possible you thought you were talking about that can't thing man it's like i have shattered so many of those uh illusions in my mind about things that i can't do that i told myself forever that i couldn't do and now it's like either I've already crushed those goals that I didn't even know I had, you know what I mean? But that's that's the kind of stuff that made me start to realize that I I can make goals, I can crush goals, I can I can do things that I didn't think I could do. I can do anything, you know? And uh sky's the limit, you know, and it's 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 so cool and refreshing to have this new uh you know vibrance i guess you know in my, in my spirit where i just i'm like enthusiastic and i want to i want to go after it i do and and i'm just like grateful the whole way regardless of the outcome whatever i'm just so, so thankful that i feel like i am walking in by purpose and i have something to offer the world you know or like a value you know other than a sack of dope you know so, i mean, sure that's crazy bro
2: we used to think i don't know if there were any other drug dealers on this but at a certain point i i stopped selling drugs when i was 22 but until that point i for some reason i thought i was helping people i thought that, <laughs> i thought that selling these drugs to people that that you know giving them you know the things that they want these these good feelings and getting high and rolling balls and then when i had a prescription you know um i you know I had to make some amends for to people that I I gave drugs to you know and uh and if anybody and switching back to something you said um talking about goals and things I I have a free relapse prevention worksheet um and part of part of what I do with the relapse prevention worksheet we get clear on where we came from because I don't know about you guys but uh I've I've been sober clean and sober five years on November 6th and if i don't remember i'm really lucky to have a video of myself overdosed but if i don't keep clear how bad it was you know maybe a drink might sound good someday you know and i just want to have that completely smashed forever i'm pretty sure i smashed it but i keep that smashed, you know hell yeah but i clear I, we go through that to make sure you're clear on on where you come from and then basically the whole thing is getting your mind right in your recovery to set those goals to find out what you what you want to do with your life um I have certain certain exercises where we can pull out uh what your actual dreams are and we can make them you know come back into reality now because most most dreams that we have are are attached to some kind of feeling and thought that we want to have that are either intrinsic or extrinsic either we want to you know Feel like we're successful, or we want to have something um, in order to get this certain feeling, right? Usually, a a far off dream has some kind of feeling attached to it. And if we can get clear on what that is, on what that feeling, what that thought is, and we keep that vision, we actually want that dream, we want to make that come happen. But if we can get those feelings and those thoughts into us now, We can start living as if we're there now and we can do the right steps because we're already feeling like yeah man like i'm i'm successful i'm happy i'm going towards my dream i'm doing this like bro i was talking to this girl um like four or five weeks ago she was in my program and she wanted to do this this uh addictions counselor certification she wanted to go to school for it and everything and she'd been thinking about it for a while and i was like i was like got it so so why haven't you she's like well well this and this and i i would have to do this i would have to do this i would have to do this i'm like everything going on in your head right now all of that is because the hardest part is getting past the thought process about what you have to do to take the first step as soon as somebody takes the first step towards their dream towards their goal towards what they want to do the path is already started you already know that you're going so like a couple days later she hits me up she's like hey i I registered <laughs> and it was actually way easier than I thought. I was like, I yeah. know. And then here she is. She's uh she starts, she starts in next month with this certification course. Yep.
3: I always say that, you know, the first step is the hardest. And yeah. to, to your point about the uh, relapse prevention sheet, you said you have as a free resource on, on your website. Like I'm definitely going to check that out yeah. uh, and hook hook up my, one of my sponsees with, because he's, then, you know, chronic relapse and 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 you know, it's like he wants to work the steps, and I keep telling him we got to work on this relapse prevention stuff. I already gave him a book and told him to make a relapse prevention plan, but maybe that would help him kind of kick it into gear. If I give him a worksheet, I hope it works. Yeah, but it's something to try. And yeah. I, I'm like, hell yeah! It's just people don't understand. Like I know for me. My sponsor, he made me do relapse prevention stuff before we did step work, and I guarantee you that that information kicked in, like that training kicked in for me on a lot of occasions. I don't think that I could have, uh, you know, sustained it for long enough till till I felt like I was on a solid footing without yeah. it. Like I needed that relapse prevention uh, bad. I needed to learn it bad. Yeah. Yeah. Call us. Who wants to call us? Call in live. Let's talk. I'm about I'm gonna to call. I'm going to play
1: devil's advocate here a little bit with you, Jason. Cause oh, yeah. you know how I do this. Do it. So I completely agree that the relapse prevention is super important, mm-hmm. but if he's dragging his feet on the relapse prevention and he's really excited about the steps, Maybe just get started on the
3: steps. Oh, well, we, did probably- that, we did oh, okay. that already. Oh, okay. We did that already. And then it was not for nothing. And then I was like, all right, well, don't be, don't fret. Like we can, if you still want to work with me, then I'm still here for you. And I, mm. so then I, uh, I got him this book that, that was the same book that my sponsor gave me the, uh, you know, first day we met. And I told him, just read this and then make a relapse prevention plan. It's an easy read. It's not a super huge book. Uh, he could have pumped it out pretty quick. Uh, and, you know, he didn't call for a while. And then when he did, he was just basically saying that he was into the old habits, you know, and he's and he didn't want to let me down. So he didn't want to tell me. I'm like, bro, I already knew something was going on because you weren't calling no more. You don't go from calling me all the time to be, like, ghosting me out. You know, like, he disappeared off the face of the planet. I knew something was up. Like, he ain't fooling the Woody. Uh, and I ain't judging. So, I said, you know, you can call me well, anytime.
1: It, it wasn't clear. I thought that's what you were trying to get him to do, a relapse prevention before you started to do this stuff. So.
3: Yeah, this is because we've done that already. And then he's... It was seemingly going very well. And then he relapsed and continued to choose to relapse and relapse so i was like we need to confront this relapse issue and then we can take another crack at the steps
2: yeah yeah that yep. was all that was what happened i think that you know people i think there has to be a, a profound foundation of recovery in order for relapse prevention to work in my in my personal opinion um i think that I would love him to do this and I would love him to find what, you know, what's going to make it so that he does the steps and makes them stick. I also believe that, you know, we have to have something that frees us from the obsession because that obsession is, is a killer. And for me, the only thing that worked, bro, I did, I did, I was coached by, you know, high, high, high level people in my addiction trying to get something going and I couldn't do it. You know i I was you know going to church and begging for help and all this different stuff and the only thing that worked for me was when i actually did these steps quickly with all of the extra time i had and another thing is what i ask my sponsees is if there's anything that you don't want to tell me from your from your history from your story um i need you to write it down on a piece of paper and then if you still don't want to tell me we need to find you a sponsor that you can feel comfortable talking to about it I haven't had anybody that that that's
3: critical it's
2: critical critical. and that's what usually keeps people you know drinking and using and and relapsing and in in reality a relapse only counts if it's over 30 days Uh, a relapse is over 30 days of continuous sobriety and then going back so I actually people used to call me a chronic relapser but i never relapsed i just couldn't get clean right dude i made it like like 18 days once and one time i made it like 63 days but i didn't realize you couldn't drink and smoke weed so, <laughs> so you <laughs> thought you made it 63 days that's like what i
3: was doing when i first started
2: yeah i was like i'm not i'm not jamming heroin in my arm <laughs> exactly what the hell do you
3: mean like this yeah. didn't count yeah i laugh about it now
1: go back and do the steps again more detailed sometimes like people just need to achieve something like if he's never made it all the way through maybe that would be huge for his self-esteem ding
2: ding 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 (laughs) the steps were literally the first thing I in my adult life the first thing that I had said I was going to do and completed hell yeah now I've done them uh five times my recovery and I don't even know how many times with other people you know I was I was having a having a hard time emotionally I would say about six weeks ago and uh I know what the solution is for me I need to go find someone struggling with addiction you know and someone someone personally I help people on digitally and everything all the time I'm messaging and I I respond to every single message respond to every single email personally but there's something that happens when you actually like are face to face with someone struggling and you take them through the work and for the first time I took someone through the work in two and a half days all the way through and before and it's a female people say you shouldn't like men should sponsor men females should sponsor females and i 100 agree with that if the sponsor considering uh sponsoring somebody of the opposite sex is not in spiritual condition to do it because right. it's very very dangerous but what we did she and she didn't believe in god before bro she didn't even be, believe in god and the second day she's crying like oh my gosh like I am I I actually like I I feel it I I see what this is I understand and bro and she's doing great you know making amends and uh it's it's an amazing amazing feeling bro and what I tell sponsees also when I start with them is I'm not doing this to get you sober like that is not my goal my goal is to get you to a place to help other people get sober because if, if the goal is to get them sober, we're going to fail, bro. We're going to fail. We're going to put it on ourselves. You know. And what I have found is that if we can put a goal in mind of someone in early recovery, like, hey, if you do this, you'll be able to help other people do this. You'll be able to help other people that are struggling. Because when I was, when I was sick, I always had the heart that I wanted to help addicts, bro but i was i was preaching in a trap house banging meth in my arm and i was like guys we need to get clean we all need to get clean like you know shooting up but so you can't do it if you're high but we all i mean you guys know the hearts of addicts even in our addiction we want to help other addicts so that's something i use anybody can take it or leave it but yeah good little motivator (laughs) that's that's basically all of my all of my uh, all of my relapse prevention, all of my recovery techniques. Everything is being present, but also looking forward to something. And we can't look in the past; we we just can't do it anymore. We have to release. We have to go through the process of releasing it. But we can't look back at who we were, because that brings that person up to now. And there's a way that we can look at ourselves in the future and pull ourselves to that person now. Mm. There's a different way to think about the future that can make us anxious if we're afraid we're going to not be able to pay our bills or how am I going to do this or how am I going to do that? Like, no, that's not the way you look into the future. The way you look into the future is, okay, like, who do do I want to be? Who is my ideal self? How would they act? How would they feel? How would they think? What would they do today? You know, what do they have? And you start just envisioning it and start thinking about yourself there. And then when you start, when you start feeling that and you actually get this clear picture, then you come back to today. You say, okay, if I'm going there, what do I have to do today? Like today, what do I have to do to step towards that? And if we could do that on... A semi-regular basis even even a semi-regular basis like once a month doing some kind of visionary work the amount of clarity that god will give us on our purpose is like you can't even imagine it you can't imagine it and a vision board is a real thing like i had and because of all the all the different you know voodoo-y type things that that can happen with vision boarding in the middle of mine was a picture of Jesus in my bible. I'm like, this is this is my number 1 here and then these are the things that I want Jesus to help me with and I want, you know, to bring Jesus into. And on my vision board, uh, I had a a stage of a TED Talk. I just had this empty TED Talk stage. And I actually have a TED Talk booked for October of 2023 now. Nice. And these kinds of things really happen. If we, you know, keep them, keep them here and keep them here and do what we need to do now, you know?
1: So I'll put it like in a different perspective too. I'll say the same thing. So, Brett, you're a parent. I'm a parent. Jason, I don't know. I don't know if you are, but when you think about when you have a child, you want them to eventually move out of the house or, or say, well, do even potty training. So, what do you do to get them ready for potty? potty training you have steps and you talk about it and your your goal is to get them potty trained you mm. know what it is um you know so it's I don't know
0: you are speaking my language right now actually we we <laughs> have been on the potty training the beginnings of potty training since Monday so nice. I, congratulations I am I am vibing with you 100 on the, the stages. Stage one right now that we're working on is not to be afraid of the potty. The potty <clears throat> is not a monster. The potty will not hurt you. It's okay to sit on it. Yeah.
3: Aww. Just because <laughs> there's a, a hole, hole, hole
1: <laughs> On it. like there's People that give M&Ms or they give this candy or that candy. Just if you go in there, the next time it's up, you get a lollipop if you pee in the potty. You know, like there's different things you have to do that you know, but it's you have to know that you want them to be able to one day go to the bathroom by themselves and even further be able to go and wipe themselves and all that stuff too. So you, you talk them through this stuff way before they're ever ready to actually do it. Cause it sets this tone.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I'm so far beyond that, man. My youngest is 10. I'm, I'm done having kids too. So.
1: <laughs> so what's your goal? Is that one day he'll be able to be, Able to be on his own or productive or be able to live life on his terms. So you teach him this or you teach him that so that he can move out one day or th- so that whether he goes to college or does, you you prepare you teach them how to do laundry maybe so that they can clo- wash their own clothes yeah. one day. You
3: you know what's the best is when I can share when I can share the principles that I've learned to live my life by. Uh, and capitalize on teachable moments where they apply because they apply everywhere, you know. And and it's just great to be able to teach him things that, you know, I wish that people would have taught me when I was a kid. You know, I think life could have been so much different. But, you know, grateful I learned them when I was, you know, 36 years old and beyond and and it's done wonders for my life. Obviously, just even that late in the game, but to be able to instill some of those traits into him at his young age, and he's got such a big heart. You know what I mean? And it it's good. It
2: it so it, it really
3: feels it about- so good to be able to to impart the wisdom to child. You know
1: what what's the goal? So you're you're putting that wisdom in because.
3: Because I want to fucking raise my kid right. I don't
1: know. (laughs) Because I want to be a
3: good dad and teach him good things so that he can be a good person and
1: doesn't struggle with some of the stuff you had to struggle with.
3: Well, yeah, that that's out of my control, and I know that's out of my control because you can't you can't you know put him in a bubble. They're still going to be young and impressionable and they're still going to probably experiment at some point because that's what human beings do uh you know he's he's got his he's got his autonomy i'm not trying to control the child i just want to teach him good things so that way when it when he hits walls when he has difficulties or when he does try things that get out of hand that he will have wisdom to fall back on or that he'll know that he can come to me because we can talk about anything, because we talk about you know deep things, and that's that's what I want. I want to. I want my son to know that I'm here for him no matter what, and always, mm. regardless of how he chooses to walk his path, because yes. that's his path,
1: not mine. So my. everything you're doing now is building up to that goal of giving him that what the you
3: tools did. to live a healthy life. You know, he's going he he
1: to make go. supported and loved yeah. so everything you're doing now builds up to that goal.
3: Hell yeah. And then, you know what, if he, if I instill those qualities into him, he's going to take that with him everywhere he goes, just like in re- the rooms of recovery, it says, you know, that we got to practice these principles in all our affairs, right? We take it out into the, into the streets. We bring it in shoe leather and, it, he's going to do that same shit that we had to go work a program after we went to 13 treatments or whatever, and almost died of an OD and fucking lost everything to my name and literally wanted to kill myself. And God answers my plea for help. When I was help asking for help to kill myself with a different kind of help, right? God lifted me out of that. And it, And he, he'll be able to, like, take all of that, all those gifts that we got as a result of our own gifts of desperation, right? And he'll have them just instilled in him because it's part of what I'm, you know, trying to teach him as a dad, just because I want him to have the tools to cope with life that I never had,
2: you know? And something you said that, you know, you want to give him the tools and he has his autonomy right you want to love him you want to give him wisdom you want to teach him so that he can be that person right Mm -hmm. and i think that's that's such a heart of god that's god's heart for each and every one of us amen and i think that it's that he absolutely has a purpose for each of us he has a destiny for each of us um and he has a call for each of us Mm -hmm. and i believe that at certain seasons and at certain points uh some of us can be asking him like which way do i go do i go this way or do i do this or do i do this (laughs) tell me what to do but then in reality what he's trying to tell you is you pick you pick which one you want to do and i'm going with you i'll be there for you i'll always be there for you and if you want to go that way let's go sometimes that's god's answer is you pick Mm. yep
3: amen (laughs) I love it. Awesome. Goosebumps. Wow. He gave me the god bumps again. <laughs> oh, <bro. laughs>
0: uh, um, I, I know Adam's got to go, so so let's, uh, I guess let's wrap it up. Adam. Oh, yeah. You said
3: on, you man. had double booked yourself for after this. So you got a he tight gotta schedule.
1: So if we make him be late, he's going to be triple booked. We can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, dude, not.
3: thanks for being here with us tonight, man. It's been a pleasure getting to know you a little bit. And uh, definitely try to connect with you and stay in touch, man.
2: Same. Let's do it. And let's do a uh, we can do an episode on the recovered on purpose show with us for. Let's nice. play them on the road. That would be sweet. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. We can point people back and forth and uh you know I, I love what you guys are doing. I love the conversations. And uh, you know, I think that we should inspire more and more people to do what we're doing. Yeah. So love you guys. Uh keep it up. If you need anything, I'm I'm always available. Answer every message. So would love to hear from you guys let's plan out that uh that show on my platform
0: awesome all right brother let's do it have all a right,
3: good
2: guys. night god, god bless you
1: guys you me. Recoveredonpurpose.com. Yes, recovered on purpose.com
2: yes for the relapse prevention or a free digital and audio copy of your from chains to Saved."
3: <laughs> <laughs> spoken like a true spokesman. <laughs> and i did i did put that uh link for the website in the comments i wrote it in my, awesome. one of my comments so I awesome. should be able to just click on it, guys and gals Perfect. out there. Awesome. Well,
1: thank you for coming today.
2: Thank you guys so much for having me. It's a good Absolutely. talk with y'all. right. Absolutely. See ya.
0: Bye. All right. I guess we'll do the uh the the closing uh the closing stuff. Yeah. Don't don't end the stream, Jason. Nope, I ain't touching <laughs> that ever again. Wow. Oh, uh, Oh, I think I think uh, JR just jumped on. Welcome, welcome to the stream, JR. Um, if you guys are joining us tonight on YouTube, please be sure to subscribe to the channel, turn on notifications, so you know when we go live, which is every Thursday night around seven o'clock Central Time. You know, we we tend to be a, a few minutes late, uh, like 7.05, 7.10, whatever. But we do our best. Um, yeah. Jason you have a podcast don't you sir
3: yes it's called the way out podcast uh you know it's it's about addiction it's about alcoholism but it's more importantly about sobriety and recovery so you're gonna hear personal powerful recovery stories and we even have some episodes that are strictly like topic based where we really unpack some uh recovery power topics for you so all the all the things that you need to hopefully find or rejuvenate your own recovery.
0: Nice. Highly recommend to be sure to check out the way out podcast. I also do my own solo podcast called Recovery Survey. A little bite-sized episodes, usually about 30 minutes or so sharing those recovery stories like we were talking about tonight on the live. It's so important to share our stories and and you never know who could hear your story and it could touch them and it could just be that aha moment. So every week new recovery story comes out on recovery survey. So check that out. We also release this live stream as a podcast. So if you can't sit here and watch us on Facebook or YouTube, but you want to hear the audio, you want to hear the conversation search for recovery revolution live on your favorite podcast player, and you can find it there. We thank everybody for coming and watching tonight sharing commenting i would say calling but nobody called in that's all right, right. maybe next week we'll get some some callers in on the stream but uh, i think you need to
3: make a promo image or something that says like i, I now we have call you know live phone line and you that's, can a, call. that's a good idea yeah like do you want to be an impromptu guest on recovery revolution live just call us blah blah, blah. something we got to get the word out
0: we do, we do.
1: <laughs> i know i don't know why more people don't do it i get so many messages about people wanting to be guests i'm like here yeah it. you don't have to wait for like six or eight weeks because we're booked out pretty far
3: right but you would be surprised like when it comes down to the wire to that moment like people get all scared and shit like but I would fi- I would say that most people, when I am like, if I'm like, dude, you want to be a guest on the way out or something, most people are like, no, I'm good. They're the- they ain't even trying to do this and share their story because they're too nervous or whatever. So people get scared,
0: and some people some people have anxiety talking on the phone
3: yeah exactly
0: I know I know some folks I'm not gonna mention any names but I know some people that get a little bit of anxiety when it comes to making phone calls so I get it I get it oh,
1: I but hate I'm, making phone calls I do too, but I
0: two. I have to as part of my job so it's, I feel like I've I'm I'm used to it at this point I still don't enjoy it but I do it
1: yeah send me a text
0: um <laughs> right I like that, Billy. I like that a lot.
3: (coughs) It's funny because the only way that you can overcome it is by doing it. So you got to push through the fear. You got to get out of that comfort zone. That's right. Oh, yeah. What you have to say is exactly the thing that somebody out there needs to hear. Your voice matters. Right, Ashley? Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: That's my radio voice.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Awesome. Well, everybody have a good night. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, progress, not Not perfection. perfection. See you guys next week.
3: Have a blessed week.
1: Have a good night.